So to sort of turn to the work that you do with your students, one of the number one questions I got, this sort of combines the two for people that said, ask Laura this, um, was given that you've written so many books and you've had so many books of poetry published, how do you balance your career as a teacher of writing with your own writing? Well, you know, it, they, they are so related. And also, I mean, I would say it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard because both things writing both writing and teaching you could always do more i mean it never ends i mean you know you you, yeah. you don't really say oh well i'm totally prepared or yeah. you know <laughs> i've got nothing more to say on that subject or i couldn't <laughs> possibly read or know anything more <laughs> you know, so so it's just uh you know you, you i mean luckily i teach writing so i think right you know the reading I'm doing and the writing I'm doing are, you know, things that I think about to bring in the classrooms. But again, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, you know, one day at a time. And, um, and I just, I do just try to write a little bit mm -hmm. every day. Yeah. So, um, I feel if I let that dry, I mean, I, I did think maybe this summer, I think it was where I thought to myself, oh, you know, maybe I should just, I was just having so much frustration on that. Maybe I should just give this a like see what happens if I don't write for a month. And then I was just seized with terror. I just knew if I did that, I would never write again. Sure. So, um, so anyway, I didn't, I didn't do that. Right. <laughs> so um, I think that's what it is for mm -hmm. me is just, you know, yeah. I tell my students and I put it on my syllabi um, that, you know, Flannery O'Connor's quote about, uh, you know, the habit of art, mm -hmm. that writing has to do with the whole self, and that's not how she says it, she says it much more eloquently, um, and that, and the only way for a, a writer to really, um, you know, be dealing with that whole self is to be in the habit of art, to get into the habit of art, and I, you know, so it's, mm -hmm. I, I do, I feel a little superstitious about that, if I, if I break the habit, I, you know, might right. never get back to it. Hard to get back into. I'm trying to get back like into under, running right like, now. Um, like all other habits <laughs> that you basically probably want to break, you know, uh, this is the one that you don't want you to You want to protect it. Yeah. How do you protect it when teaching writing requires so much reading and thinking and writing about other people's writing? How do you, how do you avoid this sort of brain drain that can come from that and manage to keep that habit? Well, I mean, I feel like everything is a little bit like, I mean, you know, going to the grocery store is a big drag, <laughs> not to mention the bank, you yeah. know, or putting gas in the car, or, you know, but uh, so it's a different I mean, kind of focus, yeah, though. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, teaching writing is about as close as a writer can get to, you know, you know, being being a full-time writer mm -hmm. uh, and having a job, right. you know, making a living. <laughs> yeah. um, so, I mean, I, I think that I, you know, I'm teaching things that I am interested in talking about and learning myself. So. Such as what? I know that you're teaching 124 right now. What Are you teaching another class? Uh, yeah, well? well, that is a personal narrative or create, you know, a memoir creative mm -hmm. nonfiction class, so right. I'm interested in that. Yeah. Also, um, that of course produces 
really great stuff to read. Right. <laughs> uh, what kinds know, of so assignments do you give? I mean, uh, how do you prompt sell, people sell to write interviews like that? or I ask uh, students wrote some really great essays this semester um, using photographs from uh, family photographs and writing about uh, those and um, so yeah. you know that sort of thing. And when you're working with student writers sort of it's a cheesy question and I set it up front but what are the hopes and dreams for the things that you'll see come across your desk from your student writers? Well it's not I mean I mean in the same way that with my own writing it's not a matter if I sit down I mean I might sit down and write for a year mm -hmm. and I'm not gonna write something that you know will make anybody weep or scream or or, <laughs> or that I'll even necessarily be proud of mm -hmm. so I mean it's astonishing and it's great when yeah. I do you know when somebody does you know when often I have students who write amazing things well, yeah. but it's you know that's less my dream for anyone or even myself mm -hmm. than this idea of the habit of art and also mm -hmm. that uh, you know that maybe I will be able to teach people to just really love to write yeah. and to keep doing it and to have that be an important part of their lives and um, you know and I think that the way the way people do the way people do that is through um, finding uh, a process that works for them mm -hmm. you know that where they you know whatever it is if it's you know a, some people are free associating typewriters. Some people are outline and you know, um, you know, note card kind of mm -hmm. types of writers. And I mean, and I think things should change. You know, you don't just right. discover what kind of writer you are and then never change. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think right. you have to go through periods, and you have to at some point stop being in the mode of oh, you know. Uh, uh, how am I going to do this? What am I going to do? Now I'll dabble with this. Now I'll try to do it this way. Now I'll, you know, that you need to find something, at least for some period of time, that works, and uh, a process for writing that works. Mm -hmm. And also, um, and, and that includes style, too, a kind of mm -hmm. style and a voice. Um, and, uh, and then also finding one's subject matters. So that so that that writing just becomes it's not always going to be fun. I mean that's that's uh, that it's not always going to be fun. But if you find if you find if you allow yourself and learn what if you learn what you're obsessed with, mm -hmm. and allow yourself to write about that, and you're not thinking about readers and what other people are going to think about what you're obsessed about, mm -hmm. and you find modes of you know generating writing, then it really becomes fun. That's when people mm -hmm. get addicted. You know, when you have that experience where you stay up real late and you write something, and the next day you look at it and you think, did I write that? You know, I don't remember mm -hmm. anything. I don't remember writing. You know, or wow, I didn't know I could write anything that good. And you surprised yourself while you're writing. That's when people get addicted. And even if that only happens once a year, I mean, yeah, you spend the other 360 days completely frustrated <laughs> trying to make that happen again. But then it does, and it's mm -hmm. and it's uh, and and that. So that's. You know, and I also think that you know that high state of inspiration it only comes around once in a while, but you have mm -hmm. to sit there and do the dull work yeah. in order to get there, mm -hmm. and it's really worth it yeah. when it when it comes. And so that's what I'm always hoping is that even you know people who to be honest like taking my class to knock off some creative expression <laughs> credits yeah. that they will have that experience. You know, mm -hmm. we'll do some free write or you know they'll have to crank out a story for a workshop or an essay or something and. Um, will find that they've you know been so 
you know, so inspired by it that something they're going to keep wanting to do because I say this in my classes but I just think that uh writing is such a great thing I just don't know why everyone isn't you know <laughs> writing you should just go if you are feeling anxious and depressed you should write a novel <laughs> you know you'll it will make you it it will uh, distract you from the other things that make you anxious and depressed by making you anxious and depressed but it's also um it's also you know it's like just to always have so you know like everybody else I mean I have to say and like this is just between us but you know uh I'm sitting at a meeting, everybody else is sitting at a meeting, they're all bored, they're, and I'm thinking about my novel. <laughs> you know, I might be bored, I'd, love to, I'd rather go away or something, but I've always, you know, like I'm driving, I'm stuck in traffic, I can, I have a novel to think about, so, um, so, you know, that, and it makes so much, you know, it's a way of making sense of life and using material that, I mean, other people, you know, I broke my ankle this uh, summer and I got a poem out of it. <laughs> I would have rather not broken my ankle, but I, it was going to happen anyway. You know, other people are breaking their ankles and it's nothing. They're still, you know, they get nothing out of it except right. for pain and a cast. So I got a poem. <laughs> you know, it's not one of my best poems, but maybe I'll have a better one sometime. So. <laughs> That's so great. So do you encourage your students to run out and break their ankles? No. Uh, no. no, they will anyway. <laughs> so things, you... <laughs> you know, things happen. <laughs> and then make art out of that. Yes. Uh -huh. The habit of art. Um, so what are some of the things that you do with your students in class to help them find what they're interested in, their subject matter or their way of writing? Well, I, you know, I encourage them to free write. And I, when I see that something has been of interest to someone, I try to find, you know, sort of, you know, point out what the best parts of it are mm -hmm. and where, um, you know, uh, where I see the obsessions. I also try to, um, you know, uh, talk about how uh, to uh, avoid the idea of sitting down to write with an editor or, you know, your best friend or your you know, girlfriend or your mom or something looking over your shoulder saying, no, 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 you can't write about that, you mm -hmm. know, or, or thinking, you know, thinking of, I, I, I hope that even though I spend so much of my time making suggestions to students on their writing, mm -hmm. that I'm also, um, I'm trying to do that with the idea that, uh, I'm not at the same time trying to make them self-conscious because sure. I think that's the worst. Mm -hmm. How do you read their writing? When you're reading something a student has turned in, what is it that you're looking for to respond to? Is it, is it idiosyncratic, or do you approach everything the same way? Or, uh, uh, Well, I mean, anybody's response to any piece of writing is always completely subjective. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> I mean, nothing could be more subjective. I, mean, I don't know. Plenty of things could be more subjective. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> but, you know, but that's a pretty subjective thing. Mm -hmm. So um, it's just intuitive. You know, mm -hmm. I just I, I let my pen hover over the page and I just mm -hmm. and, and I just write all over it and say, you know, this is how I felt about it. The only thing I feel like I can do is say, well, that, that okay, so I'm another reader. I'm somebody reading this, paying attention to it, giving you a, a response to it. I mean, that's all I have to offer that. And I've read a lot and I've written a lot myself. Um, and uh, that and to say it's subjective. Mm -hmm. I mean, punctuation is not subjective. Although <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know, actually, punctuation is subjective. So, um, so, uh, but, but I mean, you know, some, so I, you know, I just, 
I hope that people, when I read their work, they know I'm not saying that this is the way you should do it. This is the way I would have done it. And this gives you another, because that helped me, you know, mm -hmm. I, uh, although I would say, you know, I was, a, I had a lot of creative writing teachers and English teachers in general. I sat through a lot of workshops and I took a lot of suggestions and I heard the suggestions. I paid attention to them. I always, just mm -hmm. so you all know, I always looked at the comments. <laughs> I always <laughs> thought about the comments, but I also occasionally would think, <laughs> you're wrong yeah. <laughs> you know I'm right and you're wrong and so uh I allow for that possibility too you know you and I've seen it uh, of you know I will read I think especially with poetry because maybe it's easier to see when someone hasn't taken your suggestions but you know I will feel just absolutely determined that you know if you made these three changes to your poem it would be so much better it would mm -hmm. just be so much I've just determined and then seen the changes and think, you know, could you do it over the way you had it before? <laughs> might be better. You know, they said like, well, my, you know, like, actually now I see why you didn't do it that way. Mm -hmm. And then also I've, you know, seen people not yeah. take my suggestions, reconsidered them and thought, no, I, I was wrong and you were right. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's really, it, it's something that not everybody expects from a writing teacher. And so how do you help your students believe that of you in the moment and, and go with you on that? Um, well, I don't think I'm very intimidating. <laughs> so I don't know. People seem to be pretty willing to accept. Yeah. She doesn't know what she's talking about. She, she tells us this up front. So she could be I don't wrong. get a lot of, you know, pushback on that. Yeah. Are there <laughs> so. any classroom habits, like, not classroom habits, but like ways of thinking that you would most want to impart to your students or most want to interrupt in mm. your students? Uh, well, I, I think, um, you know, I, I think I already said that, you know, just to not be self-conscious, to not be thinking about, you know, experts or errors or, uh, but instead to be trying to find a, a, a way to write and the subject matter that obsesses you and makes mm -hmm. you, pa you know, what's, what are you passionate about writing about, regardless of whatever, um, you know, uh, the fashions might be or what your fellow students think of it or what I'm going to think about it mm -hmm. or anything else. Um, and to stick with that, because that was the, you know, thing that saved me, um, you know, after I, you know, got done with school and my MFA and went through a long period of writing without being able to publish anything. And I, you know, I, so I, as I see people doing sometimes, um, I just, you know, started looking around, you know, well, like that got published in the New Yorker. Maybe I could write a poem like that, you know, mm -hmm. try to, you know, do some phony thing that I was not at all able to do. And, um, and it just the whole, I mean, I just kind of almost, you know, kind of soul corrupting impulse to try to write something for publication. Mm -hmm. um, and then after a while, I had to, I just kind of gave it up and I just thought, okay, well, I might just get nothing but rejections and I'll just be 
that person who writes anyway, <laughs> you know, that, you know, I will be whatever that means. Um, yeah. I'm just, you know, I just felt like, well, no one can take this away from me. Mm-hmm. This is all I like to do. This is what I want to do. And then I got better. So that's what I want to think uh, other, you, you know, students to feel well, yeah, you know, everybody else in my workshop is writing this kind of poem. Um, maybe I'll try that, you know, and that, I, I've I've seen yeah, I've seen people you know make themselves crazy trying to guess what would be appealing to other people and it doesn't work yeah. it does not work yeah. I I always remember I I and um, you know when I was an undergraduate here I knew a painter who painted the most unbelievably um, you know precise photographic um, things yeah like he would do paintings of um, of electrical lines and things and factories and they looked like photographs they were so beautiful and uh, but everybody he was uh, studying with they were all doing abstract paintings and colors and blocks and stuff he started doing that they were awful (laughs) you know it's and you think that he was so talented at this other form and then he tried to translate it into that and I suddenly it was the first time I understood you know that oh you know it's not you know abstract art it is isn't just you know like whatever you think it is because it can really be bad (laughs) and he's proving it you know and uh you know he was trying to impress his peers and and uh it didn't work and so i i made a mental note yeah and that's so interesting because I'm always telling my students, find models of the thing you're interested in doing right. and work on that. So it seems like there's a fine balance between well, I do finding models and... Oh, yeah. No, I think that finding models, but I think that the models, um, the reason you find the models is because you read something, you think, oh, you know, I, you feel jealous. You think, yeah. I, I would give anything to have been able to write that. Mm-hmm. I want to write that. And so then you write something a lot like it. <laughs> and then yeah. you say it was inspired by that, but really, you know, we yeah. know you kind of ripped it. <laughs> it off but <laughs> but if it if it turns out well and it's different then then nice. it's all yours well speaking of ripping things off um <laughs> i've written a poem no just kidding um when we started planning our our writer to writer series one of the things we wanted to do was to be able to leave room for q a for people at the end and we were talking about formats that we liked and we um a lot of us on the committee are deeply in love with inside the actor studio so we sort of ripped off their questionnaire at the end um, that they do right before he turns, right before James Lipton turns the class over. And um, so we've adapted that questionnaire, and we are now going to um, ask it at the end of every interview that we do so that we'll have a, an archive of these. So will you be our first to answer our quick fire questionnaire before we turn it over for questions i'll try (laughs) it should be fun okay and these are just top of your head whatever it is so we'll start easy what's your favorite word um that can't be a swear word uh, yeah obviously (laughs) things no um uh what's my favorite word um all i can think of is my favorite color is green great (laughs) free association i did uh uh, I, it's been pointed out to me that it seems in my poetry that my favorite word must be scream because I use the word scream so much. Oh. And, but how can you not? It's such a good word. It sounds like what it is. And yeah. you, can, you can do all kinds of internal rhyme with scream as, <laughs> you know, echoes everything. Yes. Yeah. So I'm not doing very good. well with this. No, I? <laughs> I like that. I like that. What's your least favorite word? 
I can't say it on the oh, radio. Oh, things. <laughs> no, no, not that one. That's one of my favorites. Um, I, um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Any words that you come across in writing that you wish no one would ever use again? This is not going well. Is it? Because I'm just really. I don't know. I'm not too. I'm not overly fond of adverbs unless mm-hmm. you find the exact right one right suddenly is really overdone but it's so hard not to use suddenly mm-hmm. but or literally but it's yeah yeah literally <laughs> can be bad is there a, a an overused word that you just love and you use it anyway scream yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what turns you on as a writer what turns me on as a writer um having time to myself nice. <laughs> silence <laughs> <laughs> what turns you on as a teacher of writing Oh, when I, you know, when I see that somebody's really into something Mm -hmm. and can't, it's exciting. It turns me on when, I mean, I wouldn't say it turns me on, sounds like more racy than the feeling I have, which is, we might, we might find ourselves editing these questions. Yeah, no, I, uh, I like it when, when someone is so excited about something he or she has written that it's an unshakable faith yeah. <laughs> sometimes although that can be annoying too <laughs> so it depends on the person right and the style yes. <laughs> um is there a writing style other than your own maybe a genre or an approach to writing other than your own that you would like to try uh, i would like to write true crime Ooh. I'm totally into true crime. And I, have you been listening to Serial? Yes. Yes. That's what I wanted to do with my life was to, you know, uncover injustices by, <laughs> find, you know, by. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. Um, true crime. So, yeah, I would. Yeah. I hope you do try that. I bet you'd be great at it. What turns, uh, or sorry, what writing <laughs> style other than your own would you not be interested in attempting? Whether you admire it or not, mm-hmm. you just wouldn't want to try it. I tried my hand at technical writing for a little while, and that didn't work out too well. Mm. So Yeah. Not. You have such economy of detail. I bet that would be hard in technical writing. Uh, what what profession other than writer and teacher would you like to attempt? Uh, realistically? <laughs> no, anything in the world. <laughs> so, it doesn't um, have to be realistic. Uh, so you know, like figure skater. Ooh, that's a good <laughs> so, one. I think it might be too late, <laughs> I, especially since I broke my ankle. Oh no! <laughs> I can hardly walk anymore. So. Maybe stay away from figure skating. Yeah. And then, what three or four writers? We might actually say one or two, but three or four. I know because it's like Sophie's choice. But um, would you, living or dead, would you invite to your ultimate dinner party or writing retreat? Well, Virginia Woolf. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert Hayden, because he would be around here, um, and Edgar Allan Poe, and um, W.B. Yeats. Nice. And with that, we have a few minutes left at the end that we wanted to leave open for people to ask their own questions. And so do we have another mic for that, John, or do they just shut? I, I can... Okay, I'll just repeat whatever questions people have. So anybody have questions for Laura? I've written some down from my minor in writing students too, but anything? Yes. So for like the lifeguard story, um, how did you put yourself in the position of like a male protagonist? And just for the radio, that, that was for the lifeguard story, how did she put herself into p- the position of a male protagonist? 
Well, it's not entirely a male protagonist, but um, so I mean, it, it moves around. Uh, but you know, I I thought about that. How would I do this? But almost all of my protagonists have always been women or girls uh, who you know maybe would have thought and spoken like me except they're in much more dramatic situations <laughs> you know they just murdered someone <laughs> so, which i've never done um, yet uh so um so uh, it, but you know what i just feel I'm, i've written a short story or i've written a couple short stories from the point of view of males and i just i mean i feel like it's something i need to both experiment with and also that it's time for me to you know, see, see what else there is for me to do. I'm part of it. I mean, I, I, it wasn't, it's been two years, I guess, since I finished writing mind of winter and I just couldn't go, I just can't go back into middle-aged mother, you know, <laughs> having conflicts. I <laughs> just, everything I wrote was, uh, was that protagonist again. I don't know. She's like, she sort of took, took you know, I, was, I need an exorcism or something. I just can't, I couldn't shake it. Everything, it just kept turning and turning and turning back into her. Um, so that was a way of breaking that. So whether I can pull it off or do it, I don't know. But, you know, I don't think you guys are that complicated. <laughs> no. Other questions? Yes, in the back. It's been different with uh, with different novels. For a couple of them, I knew um, exactly what was going to happen. One of my novels, White Bird in a Blizzard, that's based on a true story, so that I knew how that one was going to end. And then, um, in, in my most recent novel, I knew how that one was going to end. But otherwise, a lot of times, it's me. You know, I'm writing the novels a little bit like the process of reading a novel. I'm just trying to figure out what's going to happen. What's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Except it's a lot more pressure because I have to make it happen next. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so some sometimes there you um there's pretty much always been a point at which I figured it out, and then I had to, and then I have to start over again. A lot. Mm. I mean, that's that's happened to you know pretty much every time where oh I think I know where I'm going and I think I know what this is about, and then that's not what it turns out to be about, and then I have to start all over again. Yeah. So. We know that feeling, those of us who've written anything ever, probably. <laughs> Other questions? Um, well, considering the amount of different modes of writing that you have, I guess I'm curious, um, in which genre would you say you felt is your has been your greatest success? Uh, well, I know that what I like to write the most is poetry, and that that's I mean that's what I, I you know I I don't know under what circumstances I would ever be told I could only write one, <laughs> just that some sort of you know new fascist re regime takes over the country and <laughs> writers are only allowed one genre, <laughs> uh, uh, but it would be poetry, you know. So, so um, I, I mean, I, it comes e most easily to, for me, and this is also. I mean, this is for people to think about, too, when you're writing in more than one genre, um, you know, in, in your, you know, education life. I, I regret that I didn't take uh, fiction workshops and that sort of thing. I mean, I, I wish I, I had. Um, but I, you know, poetry, that's, you know, was always my focus. So I feel like that's what I what I do best. Other questions? 
Oh, sure. And then we'll come back to tea. Have a question up here and then, yeah. Yes. Uh, you spoke briefly about um, your life after taking your MFA. I was wondering what advice you have for writers or other artistically inclined people who are in between school and having success in their art. Right. Um, well, yeah, my advice for that period of time, which I think is a very difficult period of time, I think, first of all, you should accept that maybe not, maybe it won't be, maybe you'll be lucky and everything will, you know, fall into place. But for a lot of other people, there's going to be a long period of time where you think, why did I get an MFA? <laughs> I mean, I went through a period of time where I was embarrassed to tell anybody I had an MFA because as soon as I did, it was like this, you know, creative writing albatross around my neck. Oh, so what have you written? Well, poems. Where have you published them? Well, not very many places. <laughs> what, would I have heard of you? Are, are you kidding? <laughs> you know, so, no. Um, so, you know, to accept that there will be quite likely a long period of time where you will wonder why you um, why you pursued that and why you had such high hopes for so long and uh, and what's going to happen next and the only antidote to that is to love it anyway you know just love do it no matter what other people tell you to do. Uh, you know, if it means that, yeah, you're going to be, you know, doing work that you never pictured yourself doing because you're not, you know, making a living or publishing things that you want to um, otherwise, just do it. Do it. Do it proudly and, um, you know, and uh, and try do whatever you have to do to stay passionate about what you were passionate about um and and that you know the world's not going to care nobody's that the world is you know you're going to have to do it anyway i th i've talked about this in my classes too but i never if anybody ever finds this cartoon send it to me because I, there was this cartoon i never cut it out but it was um because it was so depressing but it came at exactly the right time but it was so depressing i couldn't keep this cartoon but it was this guy it was this man he was sitting on the edge of his couch and he had his head in his hands and he looked real depressed and this woman was behind him presumably his wife patting him on the shoulder and underneath it it said so write fewer poems this year honey who cares and it's just the the, the horror of that i mean it is true i mean who does care nobody cares you know so i mean this last couple of years trying to work on a novel so don't ever write another novel laura who cares you know so you know uh burn all your notebooks and never pick up a pen again, Laura. Who cares? Well, nobody cares. I have to care. You, you have to care yourself. And, um, and if you're waiting for somebody else to care, you know, well, first of all, even if anyone ever does, it's not going to last, you know, so, you know, they'll, so you, you have to care. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's for yourself for, and, uh, and, and, and because for or it doesn't just even have to be for yourself. Maybe you think you're going to change the world with your writing. Do what you have to do to keep yourself believing that. It sounds similar to the advice about find the thing you're obsessed with and just write about that. Right, yeah. yeah. And don't expect the rest of the world to be. Because, of, you know, it, and you can fantasize if you want. I mean, that's, I, I don't go around saying this out loud to people a lot, <laughs> but I'll think to myself, you know, well, uh you know, someday people will catch up with my 
my genius. <laughs> so, yeah. I so, love that. Yeah, but you don't ever have to tell anybody you think that, but you kind of have to think it. And nobody will ever tell you that they feel that way about you <laughs> and don't expect them to. We've this, been listening to a live uh, interview with Laura Kaczewski down at uh, uh, Literati, downtown Ann Arbor. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. And it's after 7 o'clock, time for Face the Music. We're continuing with a series of programs paying close attention to the numeral four. That's because it's nearing the end of 2014. And I'm going to open tonight's show with a couple of recordings that are 100 years old. They're made in 1914. Um, Beginning with 